0: On the hello and welcome to Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. This is Melanie and with me is Danielle. Say hello. 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 <laughs> welcome. And
1: uh, before we get into our topic, any housekeeping, Danielle? Um, Well, I just kind of briefly want to mention that I am very aware that the audio for both Melanie and I sound slightly different. And that is because Melanie is in, first of all, she's in another country to me and she's got a really nice microphone. And then I I have not got a microphone. I tried using a microphone last week and it made absolutely no difference. So I'm working on it. I'm learning all about audio technology, even though I'm not even remotely interested, just so that I can work out how to make the audio better. But trust us, it'll get better. This is only our third attempt and hopefully... By the time we have an absolutely massive fan base, we will have worked out how to fix all this audio and we will sound perfect. But that's the only thing I wanted to talk about was just, we know that the audio isn't perfect. You don't need to tell us. (laughs) We'll we'll get better. We're working on it. We promise. Yeah. Yeah. We have absolutely no money for startup costs. (laughs) So um, (laughs) I have to wait for, you know, paycheck to buy a microphone or something. So, and even then that's not a guarantee because on some of the things i've read it might be to do with my bandwidth and not the actual audio equipment so we'll work on it anyway technical things that i don't understand yeah me neither Uh, and i don't want to understand either but you know i'm starting a podcast (laughs) we gotta learn some stuff Uh, oh Yeah, that's it. That's the only housekeeping I've got. Unless someone has corrections, but then we'll have to wait until people are actually listening. Yeah, and if anyone knows anything and wants to help us for free, let us know. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> huh, I second that. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, you know, tips, suggestions, throwing it out there.
0: You know, just a thing, maybe.
1: <laughs> right. Yes, that's it. All right. So. The purge. Danielle, lead the way. Okay. So I didn't want to get into the habit of the purge being something that I'm simply moaning about something, because that's not the whole point of the purge. The purge is a point where I can get something off my chest, or Melanie can get something off her chest, that's kind of bothering us or sort of like niggling in the back of our mind. And at the same time, it can be a positive thing that that we would want to share with each other that we haven't yet. Um, So in this case, it's kind of a mix of both. So I want to kind of get off my chest that um, I am absolutely shitting myself because I start an internship on Monday.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. So this is a massive opportunity for me, and it means a lot for my career and for my sort of future in archaeology. So without going too much into it, Um, there's going to be a lot of people paying attention to what I'm doing for the next eight weeks including tutors and people that work for very um, influential archaeology firms and the the council so there's a lot of ways I can fuck this up (laughs) there's a lot of ways that I can use this to my great advantage for networking and things like that and experience and and stuff. So I've literally got two more sleeps, and then I'm hitting the ground running, organizing community archaeology events for the entire summer. Wow! So eight oh. weeks of um, planning and coordinating, and and even just thinking of ideas. And see, people listening won't know this, but Melanie will know this: that I am very self-conscious and I think very little of myself on the best of days and so I am not feeling very good in terms of anxiety so I just wanted to put it out there that um, you know I'm a sufferer of anxiety (laughs) and um, particularly social anxieties and depression and things like that and um, melanie is very good at talking me down so melanie talk me down oh baby you know you got this
0: I'm like I'm so stoked for you I mean you you wouldn't have gotten this opportunity unless you were good for it right
1: yeah I suppose so
0: come on come on you're awesome <laughs> I'm so excited for you your brain is so beautiful and so talented you got this oh I'm excited
1: I, I wish I could hug you I, I wish <laughs> I'm I'm screen-hugging you. She is. She's screen-hugging me, and I'm feeling very uncomfortable, because (laughs) Melanie knows how I feel about hugging. (laughs) Big, squishy, American hug. I'm, like, Hulk-hugging you right now. Do you remember in high school when you had to air-hug me? Yeah. It was a long time where I wouldn't let people touch me, so everybody had to air-hug. Air-hug Danielle! Unless or, I was feeling
0: particularly feisty and I just hug you anyway and just wait for that look of like terror on your face. You
1: would, but you would announce that you were going to do it before you did it. So then I also got the um, preliminary terror of knowing you were about to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, well, you've made me laugh. I do feel better. Oh, I love you so
0: much, Danielle. This is awesome. This is awesome.
1: It's a it's a big thing. It's a big thing.
0: Remember, when you start getting really overwhelmed, just deep breath super important yeah breathing is key because anxiety is a motherfucker so deep breathing
1: oh i love you yeah it's hard because when you're very self-aware um anxious depressive you know all the things that you're doing that are making things worse but you can't fucking stop it anyway and uh yeah i will i will remember your voice telling me um you've got this and just fucking breathe and that'll be okay oh good (laughs) That's all so I'm gonna... me do. Let me be your little Jiminy Cricket Just fucking breathe Just fucking breathe You've got it girl <laughs> yes. You go girl Oh god Right yes I feel better And I'm just going to breathe to let out all of that um, Pent up energy And then all right. we can start right. so should... one Two
0: three <sighs> <sighs>
1: <laughs> your, your face really effective <laughs> i had a bit of a sour face like i was passing a stool <laughs> okay right so what's this week's topic melanie this week's topic is gothic horror blimey that's a big topic just a little bit Yeah, so Melanie and I had a couple of discussions between podcasts this time, only to reassure each other that this wasn't going to be the same kind of format as the first couple of podcasts. So what we thought we'd do this week was that we'd just kind of chat and have a conversation about gothic horror genre in literature in film on television in culture with a little bit of me trying to act really really smart by talking about like the psychoanalytical side of the themes of gothic horror and how it affects us and what it tells us about ourselves as a person yeah. and as a society and culture so when those facts come up you're gonna go oh that's interesting I never really thought about that. But boy, is she trying to sound smart. No. <laughs> I am aware of that before I even get in. But they're still, they're still interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Um, All right, so Danielle, what is gothic horror? Let me just start with the, def- the definition that I found on the internet. The term gothic fiction refers to a style of writing that is categorized by elements of fear, horror, death, and gloom as well as romantic elements like nature, individuality, and high emotion. But those emotions can also include fear and suspense. Um, It was first recognized as a genre um, in sort of like the the 18th century. um, And the very first person to be sort of credited with writing a gothic horror uh, sorry, gothic fiction was a guy called Horace Walpole when he wrote this uh, book called The Castle of Aranto. That yeah. was in 1764. Um, it's not gothic fiction as we know it now, um, but he, he, his, his story fits all the elements of what makes gothic literature what it is um, and I'll get into that in a minute so the just real quick the term gothic does refer to the style of architecture and art of the middle ages so it is a direct um, reference to that particular type of architecture and art because it's considered dark it's decaying by the 17th century it was decaying mm-hmm. it was dismal it was depressing and so um, atmospheric the, atmospheric yeah a lot of gothic literature takes place in these gro- gloomy dilapidated buildings which in itself inspires fear and repulsion and then there's also like a added monster element to a good gothic literature like vampires werewolves ghosts 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 goats. Goats. <laughs> goats goats definitely goats, sloths ghosts <laughs> <laughs> Just the supernatural in general, really. Um, it, the most important elements really are the environment and the setting. They need to be spooky, ominous, and there needs to be some kind of fear of the unknown, like a paranormal force or um, a happening that's about to occur. So there's the environment and then this like fear of the unknown. And those things come together and make perfect Gothic literature. And the reason why gothic fiction is, gothic horror is so hard to define is because technically all horror has a kind of gothic element. Mm-hmm. Um, strictly speaking, horror gets, it, it's, it's it's just, it's like foundation is in this gothic fiction. So to, to, to define gothic horror is, well, gothic horror in itself is a little bit of a double, um, is a bit of a redundancy yeah um because gothic fiction does mm-hmm. actually infer horror but so like, it's a, spooky horror it's like yeah dude, horror yeah, yeah of course <laughs> so but um there's loads of things that are considered horror now that um that you wouldn't even think was gothic but are you know a really good arguer mm-hmm. <laughs> could show you all the elements within a story that's gothic so um we're gonna kind of um start off with what's traditionally Gothic horror. And then I've brought in some I know I've got some examples to throw at Melanie that she can tell me whether or not she agrees is that ticking the boxes for the genre. Nice. So to start off with, I'm gonna just tell you these are the stereotypical um gothic literature authors. So we've got the wonderful Mary Shelley who wrote yes. Frankenstein the in, in in the dude bram stoker who wrote dracula right cool as fuck the dude we've got uh, um robert louis stevenson who wrote the strange case of dr jekyll and mr hyde mm-hmm. which i think i might bring up again later because i fucking love it um i have read, read all these books <laughs> And Mr. James, who is someone that maybe on people on your side of the pond might not be so familiar with, but I've heard he, of him. Yeah, he is fantastic. He's Victorian era ghost stories, and if you haven't read an Mr. James ghost story, I recommend you go out right now, buy a book of his stories, because they tend to be quite short. They're you can sit and read one in one sitting. They are traditionally told in Britain at Christmas time. So there's a tradition at, at, um, since the Victorian era of telling a ghost story on Christmas Eve. So M.R. Um, James's ghost stories are like the top, sort of one of the top authors, like, you know, that you would sit and read these stories. It turned into like um, uh, a TV show, which is also really, really good at um, Christmas. Um, sorry, ghost stories for Christmas. Recommend finding that i'm gonna make really? this
0: tradition in my house now
1: yeah oh it's brilliant it's an old victorian yeah it's a victorian tradition to sit and tell a ghost story yeah that's why a uh, christmas carol comes from well yeah yeah i oh, I'm yeah. Like, i do know of one christmas ghost story. yeah <laughs> so dickens was 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 being part of that tradition he didn't start it it was already a thing and he just was like throwing his story into the pile i mean he was in the first Like, I would imagine, yeah, like the people that made it popular, but it wasn't, it's not like it's something he came up with, it was already a thing. And then um, we cannot talk about gothic horror or gothic literature without bringing up, I believe, the godfather of the gothic genre, Mr. Edgar Allan Poe.
0: And I believe
1: that Melanie is going squee, because this is where she wants to come in. So I love Edgar Allan Poe.
0: He was, he's was, he been so fundamental to me growing up. I, I learned to read and write really, really early. Um, I believe at like five years old, I was reading and comprehending Edgar Allan Poe. I love Edgar Allan Poe. Um,
1: For the record, I was also reading and comprehending quite early, but not Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> I'm special, okay? Give it to me. <laughs> I think I was reading Enid Blyton and um, Roald Dahl, but still. <laughs> My dad was a horror novelist,
0: okay? So obviously I started with Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: No, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I thought, just for the sake of fun, we can edit this out if we hate this, if it's just not fitting. Um, but I just wanted to read a quick Edgar Allan Poe poem called Alone. Because when it comes to being goth, what is, uh, well, as a gothic, or used to be gothic individual, that's kind of like, the you all you are is just alone. Alone right. in the universe. Yeah. Alone, by Edgar Allan Poe. From childhood's hour I have not been. As others were, I have not seen. As others saw, I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source I have not taken, my sorrow I could not awaken, my heart to joy at the same tone, all I loved, I loved alone. Then in my childhood in the dawn of a most stormy life was drawn, from every depth of good and ill, the mystery which binds me still, from the torrent of the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the skies it passed me flying by, from the thunder in the storm, the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue, of a demon in my view.
1: Wow. Do you know, poetry is very, very, um, uh, how do I, mm, I'm, I, mm. (laughs) did I stump you? Yeah, well, see, it's beautiful, but also at the same time, I find poetry really difficult to, um, um, associate with, because I, I get, like, sort of instantly uncomfortable does that make sense yeah yeah yeah. but it is beautiful in it but it's very emo very goth so emo
0: so goth so i felt like it was like you know had to happen
1: i do i do prefer poetry like pose where it's telling a story and painting a picture um whereas um other poetry that's no i don't know i do like i do like a rhythmic poem that's about thoughts and feelings as well so you know it just but it has to hit me in the right place or else i start to go
0: (laughs) or else you turn into a goat i get it
1: yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) i mean what do you think about i mean i could read a novel of pose you know but well i don't know if you remember this in
0: high school i wrote so many poems I was all gothic poetry
1: yeah I remember I was reading gothic poetry poetry. yeah yeah see I didn't I don't go into gothic poetry I've been trying to do poetry for my mind to try to get out my sort of inner demons if you will and try to understand how my brain is working Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't tend to revisit you know like I kind of do it and then move on with my life Uh, see
0: I, I grew up so hard on Dr. Seuss uh, Shel Silverstein and Edgar Allan Poe. So, so rhyme and rhythm so important to me. It is my life's blood. I I live for it. I, it it's singing without singing. I love poetry, um, particularly when yeah, it's telling a story, um, like Shel Silverstein or Edgar Allan Poe, um, and you can really just feel the raw emotion that Shell Silverstein, he gives you hope when you're reading his poems and, and, and Edgar Allan Poe, you just, you feel that despondent, which is what the Gothic fiction is about is yeah. the atmosphere that, that, that pulling of that, that icky place into yourself and really feeling it.
1: Yeah. I think that, that, that poem sort of perfectly embodies how Gothic literature creates a foreboding environment in which to feel these intense emotions Mm -hmm. so it is important that the environment is described because they want you to be there in a place that makes you feel uncomfortable and then they're going to describe to you the way that they feel in that environment and that's how you've got gothic literature so you know if you can't be in a place that's spooky in a poem it's it doesn't really tick the box
0: Well, yeah, or it's like, um, if you're trying to explain that this person is sad or this person going through a really hard emotional time, what better way to sort of not only describe what they're feeling, um, but also to, when you describe a despondent, unpleasant place, like a ruined castle or whatever, the, the bricks falling like tears, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, 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 uh, anthropomorphizing? No, um... It's a like mirroring. Yeah, yeah. And and it, it makes it a lot easier for the reader to to understand.
1: Yeah. It's projecting the inner turmoil onto the external environment. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah.
0: Deep. Deep. Feeling
1: Deep. it. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's our our um our critique of poetry and <laughs> um <laughs> um but yeah, no, I think that that is a good way to set up um, how gothic literature should make you feel. So that's good. Um, I have a few examples of um, modern gothic horror that you could argue with me might not be, or you could agree with me. So the first one I have is um, *Interview with a Vampire* by Anne Rice. which oh, you definitely. agree? Yeah, that is a modern uh, gothic horror.
0: Definitely.
1: And it's funny because I just realized that these are all books. This is all literature, but they've all been made into a film. Oh well. Um, <laughs> I found that a lot too. I was
0: like, you know, what are some good gothic horror films? And and almost every single one of them was a book before it was a movie. Yeah. I acknowledge right. that as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's yeah. I think it's probably because it 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 serves itself so well to being made into film. It's they're almost like they were made for each other. Yeah. Because they're describing the sets for them. Mm You know, here's what you build. So, um right, the second one I've got is uh The Woman in Black by Susan Hill. I have not seen nor read apparently that one. Well, see, I haven't read the novel, but I read a paper which I'll talk about later about um uh this particular book. Oh, I could talk a little bit about it now one of the recurring themes in gothic horror or gothic literature is the idea of uh, gender roles and the the woman as the mother. Hmm. And so the woman in black is um it was by the way that um book was uh, 19, 1983, I think so it's a lot newer than you think it is. She but she uses Victorian ideas of womanhood to um uh, tell this story about this evil entity because the woman in black um she commits infanticide um in mm-hmm. life she murders her children and then in the afterlife she lures children to their doom continuously That's her job is to kill children <laughs> it's, so it's her job kind of she like it, like signs in at the beginning of the day
0: time to kill children kind of like la la rona for victorian what england
1: yeah, 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 she's, yeah, but, like, her motive isn't quite as known as La Llorona's. Okay. Um, but the idea is this um, rejection of this particular spirit of being a mother. She embodies the absolute... Um, opposite of what a woman should be she hated her children so much she killed them and then she kills children in the afterlife that is unfathomable women are supposed to be um comforting and and nurturing and protective of children um so it, it it harks back to that idea that if you reject the idea of being a mother or be you know you're rejecting being a woman you know this is the consequence yeah which is very very harsh morals yeah and that's what she explores in this novel is that really though is it is is her rejection of being is it worse sorry is it worse that because she's a woman simply because she's a woman it's so horrendous like yeah. why is, why why is that you know like exploring our own thoughts about it yeah but because we we almost expect if a baddie is a guy like it's not we're not going to sort of think twice whether well we will but with this sort of idea that they could kill children or adults is interchangeable whereas yeah, with a woman,
0: we already sort of assume that men are kind of like can go from being man to monster anyway
1: yes yes which is another um um a recurring theme so when the women are rejecting um being a mother and being a woman you know being that sort of gender role the men are rejecting their inner animal which is another theme which is the, the inner animal so we'll get into that a little bit later as well because it's really interesting to think about it's very sort of anti-evolution but we'll talk yeah. about that so um that I I I haven't read the book I have seen the film with Daniel Radcliffe I think it is yeah. he's in the it's not the best film harry potter world. which is why i haven't seen
0: it because i i love a ghost movie but uh, i heard not so great reviews so i was just kind of like i'll
1: see it if it's free and in front of me yeah well it's so so and i think that you can probably find it on some streaming network now so um you know if you wanted to i don't think it's one that should bump another better film out of the way um but if you find yourself with someone going Shall we watch The Woman in Black? Yeah, it's all right. It has things about it that are spooky. You know, like when you watch a film and overall the product is really not great, but then there's been like three things in it that you thought that saves it. Well, see, it's funny because uh, I kind of come
0: from a, a different perspective because I was a medium and I have so many sort of ghosty experiences. Even a really shitty ghost movie will get to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like almost every single time. Because I, I just immediately kind of put myself there and I'm all, oh,
1: I know what that feels like. <sighs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, I feel it. She does a lot of lingering in the back of shots. Oh, I hate This that. particular yeah. ghost. Yeah. Um, I don't like the jump scares. There's jump scares in it. Um, But overall, it's a nice atmospheric, gothic inspired. It's like a spooky house <laughs> in a spooky place with mud you know because we were up to our eyeballs in mud during the victorian era so (laughs) but it was funny i to find out that that book was written in in the 80s and i thought it was a victorian novel so that that was quite interesting for me to find out that she was writing it in the style and setting it during the victorian era but she was writing it in the 80s so that's pretty good so snaps to susan hill you fooled me (laughs) Right, the next person who is a modern gothic horror literature person, writer, also known as a writer, Mm -hmm. Stephen King. This is where I thought I might divide you. Oh,
0: I would say I wouldn't classify him as a gothic writer. I would classify some of his works as gothic. And most of those works I have not read. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's fine. I, I prefer his, like, edgy kind of, like, stuff. But the there are a few pieces that I know um, that are a little bit more on the romantic side, and I think that those would definitely put him more in the gothic uh, category.
1: Yeah, my number one example, I think, for a Stephen King gothic novel is The Shining. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's
1: like, atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. You're in a spooky, deserted building. There's uh, um, an air of doom and gloom. There are supernatural forces. He himself is in pain and suffering. And if we go off the film, just for a second, even though it's not his work, the monster comes into it when Jack changes and mm -hmm. goes so in a way there isn't an external monster, although there are supernatural elements, the end of the film switches and Jack becomes the monster. And the, I can't remember the name of the um, uh, female character, his wife, um, but she becomes the main character towards the end where she's being pursued by the monster. But the whole thing comes into like a big crescendo and a massive finale, which is not necessary for Gothic, not literature. Yeah. You don't know, need to have this huge event, But there is definitely, it ticks all the boxes for being gothic literature. It's just set in the modern era. My face says
0: I don't agree, but (laughs) I'll give it to you. No, I'll give that one to you.
1: woo Yeah. Okay. I'll give it to you. Okay. Even though I've kind of um, meshed together the film and the book, because I'll be honest, I've not read the book because I'm actually not a very big Stephen King fan. The book is amazing. I hate the movie oh yeah he hates the movie too well way to agree with Stephen King (laughs) and I didn't know that I didn't know that until like last year I was just like oh he hates the movie too
0: good I'm not alone because the movie uh, I feel um not only was it it was a cruel movie Mm -hmm. you know there was there was a lot of pain um on poor Shelley Duvall like there was there was it was a cruel cruelly made movie and I could feel it even before I knew that I could feel that there was cruelty in it and the book, the book is beautiful. The book is, is sad and all in all the right place. It's terrifying in so many more better ways than the movie was. So, yeah, I, as soon as I read the book and I watched the movie, I, I'd seen the movie and I was like, eh, meh. Then I read the book and then I saw the movie and I'm like, dude, fuck this movie. Mm. There was actually. I mean, There's made-
1: no doubt in my mind that Kubrick went absolutely batshit crazy making that film and absolutely tortured the people in it. But I think the end product is a piece of cinema like. Is, if I, I hadn't have read the perfect.
0: book, I probably would agree. <laughs> 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 that book is better than the movie. Always, always, always. Um, but uh, uh there was actually a made-for-TV uh version of yep, The Shining. Yeah, the
1: one Stephen King produced. And so, it was great. It was so much I loved it. Yeah, that's it. He was so distraught by what Kubrick did to his book that he um, either produced it or at least he, uh, um, like... He enjoyed it better. Got it made. Got it made, you know, with his, his say and his um, sort of opinion taken on board. He really, 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 really didn't like what Kubrick did. He's always been very vocal about it. Um, but Kubrick... I'm fist-bumping Stephen uh, King right now. Yeah. <laughs> Hubrick has his vision, and he's going to pursue it. Yeah. And that's it. Regardless no. of whose throats he steps on on the way. Yeah, yep. yep, yep. And he, is, he was a fucking genius. <laughs> he's just absolutely demented. Yeah. Well, we'll just leave that there. But yeah, Stephen King, we'll put him in the gothic literature section, because uh, The Shining ticks the book, and I uh, ticks the, the box. Um... And then I've kind of got a little bit of an outlier for you. So it's not modern Gothic and it's not, um, not ordinarily considered um, a Gothic novel. This is one that I thought of. And I really did think of this. I didn't see this on a website and go, Oh, I'm going to nick that. I thought arguably that this fairy tale. So it's fairy tale. It predates Gothic literature. um, Beauty and the Beast Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Are you kidding? Right? Right? Yeah. I'm sure I'm not the first person to think that. I'm sure that there's been dozens and dozens and dozens and hundreds of literature students <laughs> that have written an essay on why *Beauty and the Beast* is actually the first gothic uh, novel, but um, it, technically it's a fairy tale. So. You know, but it's been around for longer than when. When did I say that the first credited thing was 1764? I can tell you that, that Beauty and the Beast has been around longer than that.
0: So yeah, and, and the original story, I mean, when, they, when the, the father walks into the castle, there are there are human arms coming out of the walls holding him. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. If I, ain't goth, I don't know what it
1: is. And, and um, dilapidated and rotten. And the whole castle is like a disease um, and all of the people in it are inflicted and um, you can call it, um, you know, un- enchanted, but I would call it inflicted with this terrible curse. Yeah. You know, and um, it's actually fun, like the actual original storytell, the, the the fairy tales actually really fucked up because the, um, the, the father actually bargains with the beast, doesn't he? And says, listen, you can't take me. I'm old and frail. Take my daughter instead. In, yeah, the, like, so. in like the modern interpretation of it, like the Disney-fied version, she sacrifices herself to go there. But that's a whole other podcast talking about fairy tales. But <laughs>
0: um,
1: I just thought off the top of my head, Beauty and the Beast I was thinking about what Disney film is gothic horror without realizing it. And then I sort of started thinking about it and I was like, Beauty and the Beast is definitely, ticks all the boxes, yeah. terrible place, supernatural force, fear, um, uh, foreboding. Um, I, I think because it has a happy ending is
0: the only reason it would take it out of that category.
1: Yeah, but um, that I think is only the modern version of
0: it. I, I thought the original story had a happy-ish ish exactly
1: it's like a bittersweet ending
0: it's been so long I I read it in in
1: college (laughs) I remember because remember I used to go with you yeah (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't in that class and Melanie was taking a children's lit course and I was like Melanie can I go with you because that sounds really interesting (laughs) and it was and it was it was really good and I think that one of the weeks that I went was definitely talking about Beauty and the Beast because we watched the film from like 1933 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good
0: so times. I have
1: two movies to maybe
0: add to this conversation. I was thinking, these two just popped into my head while we were yeah. talking. Okay. Um, one that popped into my head was The Others. Yep.
1: Yeah, which I love. I love that movie to death. I like it because it it, it sort of makes, like, uh, since I've seen The Others, I've, I've read about and been kind of intrigued by the concept of the simulation theory. Have mm. you ever heard of that? No. <laughs> We're all living inside a simulation. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the idea is that there's somewhat of, like, parallel games going on at the same time and things like that. And the whole idea of The Others, I don't want to spoil it for people, but the whole idea of The Others and how that actually turns out could yeah. potentially be um scientific in in its um uh nature as opposed to supernatural because nice. of the idea of simultaneous um times going on at the same time. Yeah. If it nice. were like indeed inside a simulation there'd be multiple people playing multiple games at the same time and there's possible glitches where they yeah. cross. Through. So there's a little bit of a little, uh, I get a bit excited about that. And, and simulation theory is one of our topics that we can talk about in the future because it is so interesting. But and we'll bring this movie I, up again. Huh? And we'll bring this movie up again then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell me what you like about the others because it can't be the same reason I like it.
0: <laughs> For me, I mean, um, again, ghost sees, um, but the atmosphere chasing Chasing the the light, chasing darkness is, to me, um, that's what always Fs me up about a ghost movie. After mm-hmm. I watch a good ghost movie, even a mediocre ghost movie. Again, I have a weird thing with ghost movies. I love them even if they're shit. But, oh, there's someone running up the stairs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> footfalls, man. <laughs> it's a ghost. <laughs> um, or a goose. A goose, a goat.
1: I can't remember now.
0: <laughs> um, but chasing light. So, like, you know, you're you're leaving a room and you turn on the light ahead of you before you turn off the light behind you. Um, mm-hmm. Just constantly chasing the light and not being in the darkness at any given moment. But with this, it was the reverse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you keep water out like, uh, you keep the, the light out like water. And that was just genius to me. I thought that was yeah. that was so perfectly spooky what what better way to keep that place as as foreboding and 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 gloomy as possible but to keep out light intentionally all the time
1: yeah that's definitely a good example of this sort of ghosty side of gothic uh, gothic fiction
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh sort of um rejection i'm sorry the sort of the the living in sort of a a, a mirror world mm-hmm yeah. And and there was this one
0: scene where she's she's sitting um doing needlepoint I believe mm-hmm. and then she hears the footsteps running up overhead yeah and you can just sort of follow it with your ears just going from right to left and, yeah. and that I had never really um paid much attention to sound design before right like, and and I heard that and I'm all, whoever did that is one of the most talented fucking people. So now anytime I hear footsteps and I can't see what's going on, I instantly go there. Yeah. I'm instantly scared. Even if I know it's just my children being, <laughs> you know, loud, I'm just like.
1: You're also allowed to be afraid of your children. That's totally okay. Yes, I am. <laughs> they will kill me. Yeah, yeah.
0: It has well, been foretold in a prophecy.
1: Uh, yeah, well. No. <laughs> um, what was the other movie that you the wanted other to one, I will leave up to you to see if
0: you think it fits the category. I think it does. Um,
1: let the right one in. Of course. Yep. I've got that one written down too. Yeah. Snap. Boop. Yep. Do you approve of Let Me In, the remake in English? I have not seen it. Me neither. I refuse to. Let the right I one refuse. in was perfectly amazing. Yep. Exactly. You read the book? Um, I have not read the book. No. Mm, the book is so good. I'm flipping, flapping.
0: <laughs> the book is so good. It's amazing. I have it right back there somewhere, and I'm pointing it's in my bookshelves. Oh God, Danielle, it is so
1: good. <laughs> no, I haven't read it. No. Oh, it what? is so good. What? Um, is where is it? Who wrote the original um novel? John Ajvide Lingvist?
0: Let me fuck that
1: up properly. John Ajvide Lingvist. Okay, that has not got enough vowels to make it <laughs> pronounceable.
0: <laughs> I believe he's like
1: Swiss or,
0: you know, in some way Nordic, so they don't need a lot of vowels.
1: Okay, cool. The film itself was um, Swedish, right? I believe so. uh, Norwegian. Norwegian. Sorry, Swedish people. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so good, so good. The book is fucking phenomenal. But you know that I find children terrifying. So they are both children. So you've got like the creepy child that's deliberately creepy, and then the other one that's not supposed to be creepy is still scaring me because, <laughs> because he's like a um, a sort of uh, dark misunderstood um very quiet boy and you're going you're just as creepy as the fucking vampire (laughs) (laughs) no wonder she likes you
0: (laughs) oscar oscar um but yeah no the in the book you you really get to see where she's sort of or where, where the vampire is kind of taking control and and having uh this this older man do her bidding and stuff like that and it's just it's brutal it is it is one of the loveliest books, one of the loveliest horror books I've read in the last, like, 15 years. Absolutely gorgeous. Can't recommend it enough. Read the frickin' thing.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna... I've just written down a little note for us to... um <laughs> put the author on our sources list or whatever so that people can actually because uh, it, it, it isn't really the good a lit- list. <laughs> but it is called let the right one in and they did make a, um, an english re a, a remake in the english language which I'm sure is very good but I'm not gonna watch because um i find it really quite um, it's um, rude. really rude yeah to remake things just because people can't be asked reading subtitles. Exactly. It is so... T- when they first came out with that, I was
0: so angry. I'm all, this movie hasn't been out for long enough no. for you to do a remake of it. Literally, you'll know, the only reason you're remaking it is because people don't like subtitles.
1: Suck my dick. No. Yeah. I mean, think about The Ring. Huh? The, the Ring. I mean, that like we didn't even know that when we were teenagers, that when we went to go see that, we were buying into that industry of, people won't go theater if it's in Japanese. Well, Actually, well, I would have. Honestly, though,
0: this is one of those rare, rare circumstances you will ever hear me say this. I actually like the American Ring better.
1: Really? Oh, well, actually, because they did use a lot of Japanese... They they were all Japanese in it anyway. It's well, not they... like they whitewashed the cast like in Let Me In, where the whole cast have become Americans. Mm-hmm. All right? So. Yeah. I think well, no, The Ring was still a lot of American actors. I mean, you had... Uh, uh, the main guy's the same guy, though, isn't he? The no, one that I, they go to for advice is oh, the same know. in the Japanese film as he is in the American remake. No? I, Am I wrong?
0: I, I think you may be wrong. I'm not sure. It's been a long time. Well, yeah, it has been about 12 years, I think. Yeah, but I've watched the, the Japanese Ring, and it's good, but I really do think that The American Ring killed it as far as just, just uh, uh special effects and 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 all that fun stuff they just really did it justice whereas every time they've tried to remake a japanese film after that they've really just shat the bed
1: right it's definitely japanese right and not korean it's japanese yeah yeah it's definitely japanese because there are a lot a lot a lot at the moment of korean films being remade in english um that i mm. think is really insulting because the korean films are just good on their own. But anyway, that's a whole, that a whole also, other topic. I, how many times are going to say that's a whole other podcast? But <laughs> honestly, I could go on about how offensive I find that. But, you know, that's because I will watch a film with subtitles and appreciate it. And I find it incredibly lazy. Unless you have a legitimate reason. I think it's lazy. Yeah. Um, You know, like if you've, you, know, you literally cannot comprehend a film because of the subtitles. I totally get that. But just being flippant and how many times I've heard people say, oh, I don't watch movies with subtitles. I don't want to read. I want to watch a movie. (laughs) You're a monster and I hate you. (laughs) Only marginally, though, because... You know, I try not oh, to. I, I will, if somebody says that to me, I will
0: just give them my whole, like, are you a fucking idiot face? I yeah. don't give that face often. I have a very friendly face. But if you <laughs> say something like that to me, I will just immediately assume you are an
1: idiot. I apologize <laughs> to listeners. Uh, I That excludes you. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to bring people back in with this next one, because I think that most people will unanimously agree that um, the best, the person alive today who is producing consistently gothic horror is Monsieur Guillermo del Toro. I do not know how to speak in an accent. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Um, He consistently makes um, um, films that are are so embedded in gothic tradition yeah. um even when he borders into the um into the more um h.p lovecraft fantasy side of horror um his the roots are always gothic horror and and the film that um, epitomizes that the most out of his whole sort of um uh invent you know his whole itinerary Which I love, by the way, I love all of them. So picking one that was the most gothic was quite difficult. But I think Crimson Peak is his most gothic film. Not his strongest film. Yeah. But his most gothic film. It has all the elements. So much so that the house is literally falling apart. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's no other... If nobody knows what gothic like is meant to be gothic horror I guess superficially I would just say watch crimson peak yeah and yeah. there you go that's a gothic horror it has everything including the the themes about um um, gender, gender roles, male and female. It's got that animism, animalism um, theme going through it, the suppression of the inner animal. It's got the supernatural with the ghosties and the on un- and the the strong emotions of the you know like the unfinished business of the ghost and yeah. the house is falling apart. It's a physical manifestation of the diseased mind of the man that lives in it. And oh, it's brilliant. But unfortunately, the film didn't live up to the amazing way i can describe it yeah so sad
0: yeah but still enjoyable definitely yeah, it, it just doesn't hit his you know kind of what you expect out of all of his other movies like pan's yeah. labyrinth and and all these other things yeah. um but yeah he's he's got gothic elements in like everything he touches everything he does. yeah even I mean, even hellboy I- i'll give it to him you know yeah.
1: like yeah. gorgeous he I mean when we went to Melanie and I went to the exhibit what it was at LACMA yeah Yeah, when it was at LACMA because I just happened to be visiting when this exhibit was on and I was like Melanie we're going to LACMA and we're going to this happiest day of my life (laughs) she didn't need much convincing (laughs) so
0: It was hysterical because you have all these, like, really beautiful, artistic, gothic people, you know, just sort of, like, finger on their chin going, yes, yes, I'm taking in this thing. And I come up next to them and I'm like, are you seeing this? Oh, my God! That
1: cockroach has a tail! I'm losing my shit! so excited! Look at all the fake moths that don't. This is Amazing. there was this
0: one goth couple that looked at me like oh my god will you calm down I'm all like you guys are full of
1: shit you are not enjoying this enough one of the cool thing about that exhibit was that you were you were welcome to take pictures which was really cool because a lot of those exhibits um rightfully so you can't take your own photographs because it's you know like a copyright issue and, and you know that artist wants to but As far as like that exhibit was we could take loads of pictures so we were all comparing the things that we found the most interesting enough to take photographs of because we kind of separated there was a, how many of us were there, there were four of us, there was me, you, Stacy,
0: Crystal and Ian
1: so it was five of us it, and we ended up had having a-,
0: a life-size replica of edgrell and poe sitting on a chair and i
1: just wanted to live there with him forever yeah i'm the guy that made the miniatures for the old films that was cool too mm-hmm. i remember his name the guy that used to make the little claymation miniatures yeah, for the i know films. his name and, I'm- and you know like jason the Argonauts and everything ah it's gonna bug me
0: i'm gonna uh... It's okay, it's
1: okay. But yeah, the the exhibit was great, and we're probably gonna end up editing that out because it has nothing to do with what we're talking. No, but it was so good. Oh, and it sort of, it sort of, yeah, it it showed you how much. I'm trying to bring it round, but I'm really struggling. Um, (laughs) His, His passion for for pretty much the whole history of horror yeah um,
0: from from beginning to now his his passion spanned the the entire history and and everything from the the classically beautiful aspects of horror to the bizarre weird creepy things and and it was just it was stunning that was my mind in an exhibit
1: i was going to say it was lovely walking into his brain and after being in his brain for a couple hours I could very comfortably stay there. So Guillermo, if you're listening, we love your brain. I love you so much. <laughs> okay. Um, right. So now that we've worshipped at the, the altar of our our current Gothic god, uh, <laughs> he's passed over from a girl Poe. It's now it, the the you know, the gauntlet the the, yeah, the, the, gauntlet's thing, been the gauntlet's been passed to Guillermo. Right. Okay, but okay. Uh, what are we gonna do now, because there's so much stuff I want to talk about, but we're all, already an hour in. But but we can't we can't talk about gothic horror without talking about Hammer horror. We just can't. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there was another film that I wanted to bring up, which I will really, really quickly bring up, but we cannot leave this conversation without talking about Hammer horror because Hammer horror man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Come on, I mean those are those are those those are horror tropes now. Everything that Hammer Horror that have done are now the tropes of horror in general. Yeah. Um. But so the you want re- explain to listeners who maybe not not so familiar with Hammer Horror? Oh, you gotta know Hammer. All right, Hammer Horror. You might not know it, but you'll know it. You you don't know you know it. But Hammer Horror was a um a film production company from England in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. And then it kind of went quiet and now it's been it's been um uh rekindled again in the modern era um but it's most famous for mr vincent price as dracula and peter cushing as uh, uh, victor Frankenstein. sorry is he's he's in frankenstein no peter cushing's in frankenstein yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yeah but then he also later becomes he's also um van helsing yeah um But um, I just got a shout out, honorable mention to the Gorgon because the beautiful and wonderful and sweet and um, wonderful uh, Jacqueline Pierce is in the Gorgon and um, I absolutely love her. Um, And she passed away a couple of years ago. um, Sorry, about a year ago. Um, She's in Blake 7, which is a sci-fi show, which I absolutely love. Melanie's just going to smirk, but anyway. Um, So Jacqueline love you <laughs> um, and we love you in the gorgon and all the other horror, horror films but the gorgon is one that fits the um the the gothic idea um but definitely dracula curse of frankenstein van helsing yeah those films but there's hundreds of them so pop on your phone grab you know google hammer horror films and you you know you'll find shit like the Witchfinder general which is later which isn't as great but still is fun <laughs> still fun um, But I recommend if you're going to start, you've got to start with The Curse of Frankenstein, which if you can believe it is 1957, and Dracula, which if you can believe it is 1958. Vincent Price, sorry, Christopher Lee (laughs) is Dracula, not Vincent Price. But Vincent Price is an actor in Hammer Horror films. I've corrected myself there. I got very excited for a minute there. Vincent (laughs) Price is in Hammer Horror. Yeah. He is not Dracula. That is Christopher That's Lee. That is Christopher Lee. Big faux pas, One <laughs> that I know and I feel a little sick having made it, but I've corrected it, so we're okay. <laughs> Somebody just pissed themselves in rage. I'm just saying. Yeah, but I fixed it. I fixed it. I fixed it. <laughs> Peter Cushing is in Frankenstein. We're sorry. We're sorry. Vincent Price is, is in Loads, and then Peter Cushing, uh, sorry, the um, Christopher Lee is in Dracula, and I'm really, really sorry that I got all that mixed up. <laughs> I, I was typing stuff out really quickly before we you're started. You're fine. You're fine. <sighs> right. Um, <laughs> so I guess, do you want me to say another movie, or shall we move on to television? Um, uh, let's move on to television because we're kind of cramming on time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll sort of, um, yeah. yeah. I'm sure we'll we'll edit yeah. a lot of this out, but we'll see
0: right okay the most gothic show i've ever seen
1: yeah penny dreadful yeah okay yeah i keep i kept reading that i've not seen it oh oh it's, it's literally so good. the conversation we talked about gothic horror on television with turner i was like we need to watch penny dreadful because it's on every list of must-see um, gothic entertainment. You you literally cannot get more goth than that. I can't think of a single
0: show that comes even close, except for maybe like Dark Shadows. And Dark Shadows ah! was
1: ridiculous. Turner gets a pint. He said, <laughs> I'm gonna bet a pint, melon Or so, yeah, I can't even say if he said a pint, but I don't remember. What he said, I bet Melanie at some point will mention Dark Shadows. And he was yeah. right. <laughs> I love Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows is completely ridiculous
0: and it's yeah. it's kind of garbage, but it's definitely <laughs> gothic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, um, I can't think of another show that's 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 so completely gothic. I mean, it even has Frankenstein, um, uh, Wolfman. Like all of them are in it. Dracula, all of them are in it. And where it could get really silly and really stupid, which is why I, I was sort of braced for it to get really stupid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's beautiful. It's done so well. And it's it's sexy and it's romantic and it's it's spooky and and dark. Uh oh, it's oh, it's stunning. It is a stunning okay. show. And I, I am so over vampire shit. And if I can get over vampire shit to enjoy this show, like that really says something.
1: Right. Okay. Well, that's definitely I spin bumped up my list because. Um, there's so much to watch in the world. So yeah. much to watch. Um, and I am balancing being a student with being, um, you know, a human being. And <laughs> there's only so much time I can be human. Um, but, yeah, Penny Penny Dreadful has definitely moved up the list. Yeah. yeah. Um, something of a similar feel to it that's got, come out of the same era was a show called um, that was based on a book as well, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 in the gothic tradition, but it's uh, magic and um, uh, the supernatural sort of as opposed to um, uh, vampires and werewolves. But yeah, Yeah. Um, also um, a show that I know that you love, American Horror Story. Yeah, yeah, I'll give Um, that. Particularly Asylum. Yes, Asylum. And I'll even give it to um, Roanoke. I, I gave up on that one. That's where oh, I, I stopped liked watching. It. That's where I stopped watching. I skipped all of the, the, the which was it, Carnival? Oh, yeah, because you don't like Freaks. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I don't like, yeah, yeah, it makes me, yeah, I don't like Freaks. I love Freaks. <laughs> That's the only thing that Melanie and I actually talked about when we were in the um uh, Del Toro exhibit, was he had, like, collections of, uh like, full casts, of Mm -hmm. the actors and uh, the characters that played freaks in his film and i was like i don't like it because i it reeks of exploitation to me and i just can't get it out of my head but um uh so i skipped that one and i started the roanoke roanoke or whatever and i think i watched three episodes and it started to really get my nerves and i have not watched american horror story since see honestly asylum is one of my least favorite seasons Okay.
0: Yeah. But I think it's just cuz of the alien element. I was just sort of like, oh god, get out of my butt. I hate this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think they were trying to shoehorn too many things in, but I said I only mentioned Asylum because it does have the the environment elements. and elements that make it gothic. Um, but arguably the whole American horror story saga has elements of of gothic because they try to shoehorn any type of genre (laughs) into it as humanly possible yeah Uh,
0: even even coven um when they go back into like old louisiana sort of uh legends and and stuff there um mm -hmm. i'll I'll give it to that too Mm -hmm. so yes definitely agree
1: okay um did you check out a house sorry a haunting at hill house that everyone was going on about Not yet. The show, Netflix, right? Yeah. Not yet. Okay. Well, we can't really discuss it in depth, but that is also um, in the Gothic tradition, but I wasn't as um, impressed with it as uh, the, everybody else was, it seems. But I mm-hmm. wonder if a lot of it was viral marketing and it made me convinced that everybody loved it, but everyone was just like, eh, it was okay. No, no, I know a lot of people that were really like, oh my God, this
0: show is my life. Uh, uh, yeah, I just haven't, I haven't done it yet. That was okay.
1: Okay. And because I can't get through anything without mentioning something nerdy. <laughs> Um this is for my homies over here in the Britann. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because over there, you will not know what I'm talking about right now. But one of the most popular and influential eras of Doctor Who, specifically season 12, 13 and 14, which feature um, Philip Hinchcliffe as the producer and Robert Holmes as script editor. And this is during the Tom Baker era is so sufficiently influenced by the gothic movement it is known as the gothic horror era nice of doctor who so seasons 12 13 and 14 are um tom baker and all of the stories are um dark and um sort of um have that element of of, of, of macabre about them yeah. Um, and the goofy element simply is the Doctor, and that's what lightens it up and makes it for children. But well, <laughs> not arguing. I'm not saying it's for children, but it makes it a, a family-friendly show. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so it, it is actually known as the Gothic horror era of Doctor Who, and I recommend it is the best, like it's up there with the best of all of doctor who of all time those that this it's like the <sighs> I'm, I'm gonna say arguably again because obviously it's very subjective but it's up there with like the the most lauded and um praised time period of doctor who and there was no way i could go through talking about gothic horror yeah. knowing that this was the fact, this was the case, and not mention it because uh, we here are a Doctor Who house, so <laughs> classic era, yeah, yeah. Before <laughs> start accusing me of liking New Who, I will, all right.
0: Oh, well, I have a bunch of random fun facts about Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker and Edgar and Poe and and some things like that, but um. We are kind of running out of time. We're sort of going really
1: over time. We really are. I have like a whole thing about <laughs> Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's the one I was gonna say was more was marmite. So we've got to leave like just this little bit of banter in where I go. We were gonna talk about Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter <laughs> and Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Yeah. <laughs> and their merits as gothic literature and their and then gothic entertainment. But we've run out of time. Yeah. Who knew that this topic, which I was so afraid that I was so completely underprepared for, would uh, take us over time and we could keep going for like another hour easy. Yeah, we've both had to sacrifice a significant amount of our knowledge because (laughs) we kept going off on tangents about our periods in Doctor Who. (laughs) This is going to be fun to edit. Yeah, right. Or we could just put up the complete unedited one hour and a half long episodes. We'll and people would be like, what? We can, we can
0: edit it down for the podcast and then just like put on YouTube or something the full like hour and a half or whatever.
1: All right. So later when we monetize and we want people to sponsor us through Patreon or something, we can have it as a, like, have the unedited episodes where we're off on tangents. <laughs> so... We'll save them for future bribery. Yeah, we'll bribe you with things. Yeah, um, so we're going to leave this at the end. There was lots of conversation about things that got edited out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to know more? Donate somewhere. Somehow we'll let you know. Yeah, we'll have to let you know because we haven't worked that bit out yet. We're talking to our future selves now. Exactly. <laughs> Future me, set up a GoFundMe, <laughs> yeah, Patreon or something. Give me yeah. your money. Give me your money. Anyway, but that's not what we're here for. We're here no. for the fun, for the crack. Because I get to see my Danielle. Oh God, let's not do that. Sentiment. I love you. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So should we wrap this up and and uh... yeah. I think so. do you want to do the social medias this time Uh all right so that's it for zombie
0: fishbowl podcast if you like this please please leave us a review subscribe follow us on instagram facebook twitter the zombie fishbowl
1: podcast or is it just zombie fishbowl podcast it, it, well, I, there will be no way they won't find us under the title zombie fishbowl because there ain't no other thing called that we're easy to find. Yeah. If you have any suggestions for topics, if you have any
0: questions you want to call us out on our bowl, please send us an email at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and, yeah, so do we
1: want to end on a quote of the day? Um, well, we'll do the quote of the day in a minute. Um, no. and we need to f- do a topic random topic picker random topic picker you're gonna pick a topic at random you're a random topic picker <laughs> it's so good I don't care how it, if it's different every time I'll still love it this really is the first one that came up I promise
0: don't <laughs> <laughs> throw doubt into their minds
1: what random topic okay all right all right so this is the run <laughs>
0: Random topic forget.
1: for you. To know. <laughs> the random topic for next week is omens. oh Yeah. Omens. Good omens. Bad omens. Any omens. Edible omens. <laughs> Middling omens. <laughs> uh you know what other kinds of omens are there? that's really think, kind of kind of it yeah it's just just omens omens in general ominous i'm excited ominous. all right well who's excited i'm excited <laughs> we got omens next week i'm also excited but i'm also daunted because it's a big topic again <laughs> but i think i'll pick a few really fun ones i think i've got some notes somewhere that have some that i've written down are yeah. quote of the day please this week's quote is by the invenerable vincent price yes i felt i felt fitting are you ready yes give it up there is nothing more soul satisfying than the first succulent bite into the juicy frankfurter I i love it i love it i love it so much Melanie's jaw just dropped. <laughs> Not what she was expecting at all. Oh,
0: that was great. Oh. Oh I tell,
1: tell you, I really wanted to make you laugh. It's from his cookbooks. That's amazing. Yeah. I so, love it. In case you didn't know, Vincent Price wrote best-selling cookbooks in the 60s. That's genius. So, that's from his like either from one of the, the, the cookbooks or from when he's talking about the food that he loves. So check that out on Amazon. They're, they're, they're on there. Awesome. Vincent Price cookbooks. There's a picture of him on one of the, in one of the books where he's um got a plate of raw meat and he's got like a knife, like, like he's about to stab it. And he's like looking at the camera menacingly fucking yeah. love Vincent Price. Bless his heart. <laughs> yeah. And-
0: Real quick, can I just run a regular Alan Poe quote, because I, I just love him. Absolutely. fucking right. Um, one of my favorite quotes from him, when I was a small kid, I read this and I went, Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> He's so emo. I became insane with long intervals of terrible sanity. Poor guy.
1: Why do you have to give me awkward silences? (laughs) (laughs) I'm absorbing it, Melanie. I'm absorbing it. Say it again.
0: I became insane with long intervals of terrible sanity.
1: I agree. I agree. It is is best to live our lives in a constant state of madness. Or
0: at least when you acknowledge
1: your insanity, you know, just sort of uh, makes it a little easier to tread with it. I don't know, I feel like I'd rather be mad in a world as crazy as it is. I'd rather just think I'm mad than to think that I'm the sane one while everybody else is insane. Yeah, that would be the worst. Yeah.
0: And with that, we leave you. We love you. Love us. Subscribe. Spread the word. And we will see you next week. Yes, please.
1: Bye. (laughs) Bye. on the window seat.